invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to 1 Kings chapter number 20. thankful today that you are the God who speaks. And that Lord, as we have seen prior in the life of Elijah, even when you are silent, yet you still speak. And so Lord, we pray that today we would hear from you that your word would enliven our hearts and our spirits that we may be able to respond to a world that desperately needs to hear from you. Father, bless me with the words that are needed for those gathered here as we make our prayer in Jesus' name. sometimes we take the power of words out though through overuse and so by overusing words we narrow their scope down and we make them more and more impotent over time I love big words. Ask how. We were joking about different ways that we could change up uh, our online devotions this week in staff meeting. And Howard said that he could just give devotions like me, which was full of lots of big words. always important to have a thesaurus in my opinion. Just so that you can pick the right word at the right place. This week I was writing an email and in the middle of the email Eliza called and she said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm trying to determine which word to use, inane or capricious. And she said, capricious sounds nicer so use it. divested a lot of power from is the word grace. Grace is such a, a multifaceted word. And yet we seem to have narrowed it down in its power and its scope. We serve an amazing God who really words can't begin to describe and yet we limit him by the words that we use and even in a word so wonderful to Christians as grace we have 
sucked in its meaning into such small things that we have forgotten, I think, some things about grace. Things that become apparent in this morning's text. In 1 Kings chapter 20, we encounter a story in which the king of Syria, Ben-Hadab, sends word to Ahab, who we have encountered again and again and again through our time in Elijah, that he desires to have Elijah's silver, excuse me, to have Ahab's silver and gold and to have Ahab's wives and children. And Ahab, for some unknown reason, says, sure. Well, Ben-Hadab can't keep his greed from overwhelming him. And so he sends back word to to Ahab and says, and when my fellows come for this, they're going to search through everything and basically they're going to see if there's anything else I might want and they're going to take it too. And Ahab says, that's one step too far. So, Ben-Hadab launches a war against Ahab. Now, you and I would think, man, he had it coming, right? Ahab deserves to be destroyed. Ahab, who had put the people of Israel through such terror, deserves to be destroyed. And yet, when we get to verse 13, we find something. Verse 13 says, And behold, a prophet came near to Ahab, king of Israel, and said, Thus says the Lord, Have you seen all this great multitude? Behold, I will give it into your hands this day, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Do what? Ahab, who deserves destruction, finds instead the grace of God. Because you see, beloved, grace is unexpected and undeserved. You and I, I think over time, think so much of our righteousness that we think that we deserve God's grace. But we don't. Apart from God's gracious gift, you and I would be lost. And it swoops in unexpectedly and gives us this refreshing breath of life in this undeserved place and time. Question for you this morning, beloved, is are you doing that yourself? To people that we may not think deserve grace, are you giving grace? 
Are you unexpectedly giving grace to them? It's important to do that. Why? Did you notice there at the end? Ahab, I'm going to do this for you. And you shall know that I am the Lord. Ahab, I'm going to give you this grace that you may know me. Beloved, when the people of God give grace to people who are far from grace, it should change them. It doesn't mean that it always is, but it should. It should serve as a lifeline to them. Yeah, you know, one of the fun things about being a minister sometimes is that you get to do the unexpected to the undeserving. You know, I have always relished those points. Didn't really enjoy them, but relished them nonetheless. When someone who has done nothing but run the preacher in the ground goes to the hospital and the last person on earth they're going to expect to show up at the hospital is the preacher. And you walk in with them and share the love of Jesus and you pray for them. Throws them off their game entirely. You know, beloved, when we forget that grace is unexpected and we expect it all the time, we forget that grace is undeserved and we think we deserve it all the time, we forget that we then can be expressions of it to those who are unexpected and undeserving and change their world and bring God close to them. Ahab does that. Feels that right here. Now, we should remember one other thing, though, in, in looking at this, and that is the fact that, that when this point comes where grace has entered into our life and when we give grace to someone else that a response is necessitated uh, notice verse number 14 and Ahab said by whom he said thus says the Lord by the servants of the governors of the districts then he said who shall begin the battle he answered you Ahab, I've given you this marvelous gift. You've got to go do something with it now. You know, we oftentimes will point to everyone else expecting them to do something when what it is is God's expecting us to do something. God's expecting us to respond to grace by giving more grace. God's expecting us to go share grace. God's expecting us to say, yes, Lord, I have given, now I will give. Do we do that? Or do we pass off our opportunities to serve God to someone else? You know, one of the the great uh, stories 
And I'm afraid that the battle has just left my brain. It's Monmouth Courthouse. The Revolutionary Army, which has lost and lost and lost and lost and lost, finally gets a win. Not a great win, not a stupendous win, but a win nonetheless. And what does George Washington do? He doesn't go back to his tent. He didn't go to somebody's house that had a nice bed. No, out there on the field of battle, he lays down with his soldiers that night and feels the victory. He lives it in that moment. Beloved, God gives us grace to live in that moment and to share it with somebody else. And He calls on us to respond to it. Not to expect someone else to do it for us, but for us to respond. For us to do. Because then we become, for someone else, the Word of God. The living Word of God. We become a thesaurus of God's love and God's grace and God's mercy and His forgiveness. It's an invitation into the divine work. Into the blessing, if you will. But if we're not responsive to the grace that's given us, we miss it. We miss it entirely. We also miss it, beloved, if we limit God to thinking that He can only be present in, in a particular set of circumstances. You see, after God delivers the Syrian army to Israel, Ben-Hadad goes back out, back over to Syria, and he says, oh, well, I know what cost us this time. God of Israel is a God of the high places. So what we're going to do is, come spring, we're going to go, and we're going to battle them down in the valley. And God will be there. And so they do. But God, beloved, is in, on the mountain and gives grace. And God is in the valley and gives grace. And again, I can't see a thing because my glasses keep fogging up today, so I think it's verse 28. It happened at the same time in the first service. And a man of God came near and said to the king of Israel, Thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is a God of the hills, but He is not a God of the valleys. Therefore I will give all this great multitude into your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And they encamped opposite one another seven days. Then on the seventh day the battle was joined, and the people of Israel struck down the Syrians, a hundred thousand foot soldiers in one day, and the rest fled into the city of Aphek. And the wall fell upon 27,000 men who were left. You know, beloved, when we limit God and think that He can only work in this way, in this place, in this time, we limit grace. Because grace should be understood to be everywhere. It's available to the top. It's available to the bottom. And at this time in our history, as a people, when so many around us are in the bottom, are in the valley, 
are experiencing the dark night of the soul as St. John of the Cross described it. We need to be the people who run into those places and say, God is still here. God has not left us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. He is right there. And because we are the one responding to God's grace and we are the ones giving God's grace in the most unexpected and darkest of places to so many people, then we become the one who says that God has not forgotten you. And isn't that what the whole world needs to hear? You know, I confess to you that sometimes I feel like God has forgotten me. I feel like sometimes when it is so dark that God has just forgotten where I live. He's forgotten my phone number. He has forgotten everything. And at those points, I need to hear God still there. I know He's there up top. I can feel Him there. It's when I seem to be so far at the bottom that I need to feel Him. to 
to go look at the stars and be impressive. Fulfilled a, a course requirement. That's all I really needed it for, though, you know. And lo and behold, I get a guy who, in the semester that I am taking astronomy, is featured in Time magazine. He was brilliant. And as it was in the fall and things were busy in football and all that, I had had opportunity to study and so I went in for a midterm and I was going to fail. It was going to be horrible. And I sat down and I said to God, I said, God, if you just give me one chance, if you just give me one chance, I promise I'll study. Dr. Thompson came in, he opened up his briefcase, he pulled out the exam, and I could hear the, you know, the drums as the dead man walks up the scaffolding to the hanging's noose. And then I heard a wonderful sound. Fire alarm went off. <laughs> Fire alarm went off, Dr. Thompson went out in the hall, he comes back in, he says, well, it's for real. We gotta leave. I'll give the exam next time. Man, I skipped all the way back to the door. <laughs> now what would have happened if I had spent the remaining days between that day and the exam, I can't remember if it was a Thursday class or a Tuesday class. So if I if I had spent the intervening days playing video games. What if I spend all the intervening days off of that girl? What if I hadn't studied? I would have what? Squandered the blessing. You and I squander blessings all the time. In fact, I really and truly believe that we as a people are squandering the pandemic. Because we have said, God, I just want to, to be closer to you. I want to spend more time with you. So what does God do? He leaves you at home for six months. He says, guess what? There will be no television because there's nothing more than reruns. There's not even going to be any sports for you to watch. And you can say you can watch the news, but after you've watched 92 hours of pandemic election coverage, do you really want to watch anymore? And if we say at the end of this time, whenever it is, nine months, ten months, I don't know when it is, maybe next week, who knows? Lord, I didn't spend any time with you. What have we done? We have squandered the grace of God. We have squandered it. You know, as a congregation, we should be thinking right now, what is it that we would have done and had, we would change, but we never did have opportunity to change. Because we were so busy in the, in the week by week that, that now that God has brought a pause to everything, we can make the changes necessary. No. If we don't do it, beloved, we've squandered it. God has afforded each of us 
opportunities right now that we have never been afforded before. And if we spend all of our time arguing with God or with our neighbor about whatever, we've missed it. And it will cost us. It cost Ahab his life. Notice at the end. And he said to him, Thus says the Lord, Because you have let go out of your hand the man whom I have devoted to destruction, therefore your life shall be for his life, and your people for his people. And the king of Israel went to his house, vexed and sullen, and came to Samaria. Beloved, we have been given a marvelous opportunity to be an expression of grace. And the question is whether or not we're going to do it. We can do grace and show grace in ways that we've never done it before. We're having to understand afresh that we don't need a big Sanctuary with all of the bells and whistles to have church. We can have church in a gym or in a parking lot. God giving us time to refocus on grace and come down to the essentials of the matter. And if we don't take the point each of us in some way or another will have something to die. It may be a hope. It may be a dream. It may be an opportunity to show grace to someone who desperately needs to hear it. But beloved, if you and I understand that we cannot limit God and we take to heart that God is multifaceted and therefore our, our witness of Him must be multifaceted. That we must together be uh, diminutive thesauri. Diminutive meaning small thesauri, the plural of thesaurus. And each of us be little tiny multiple expressions and witnesses of God's grace to our world and together we come together then we can change things if we don't limit him but are expansive of him and we use all of the various gifts to speak to a world that is multi-syllabic. Then we secure for them the security of grace. But if we don't, we will stand account before God one day of how we wasted this time. Quite honestly, I have enough to stand before him for. 
say I've wasted this gift. And if we're truthful, every one of us can say the same thing. An expression of grace today. Are you that? Let's pray. Lord, I confess that sometimes I use big words just to make it sound pretty. It sounds prettier to say about safe than just to say sinned. But Lord, we know that while grace is awful poetic, grace, though, gets down into the mire sometimes. And while sometimes it's great to use the flowy and the pretty, Sometimes we just need to get down into the heart of the matter so that pretty can grow out of it. Lord, by your Spirit, show us, Lord, where we need to be pretty and enable us by grace to dig out the that you may plant pretty. That we can be truly a multifaceted expression of your love and your grace to a world that so desperately needs it. For we ask this.